message from our lead pastor, Michael Signorelli. Prepare to go C1. for being in this space. I thank you for all those who are listening by way of the podcast. Father, I just thank you that this is going to be a life-changing experience, a transformational experience. Lord, my words are worthless, but your words can literally change everything. And I say, have your way, God, even in this part of the service, Lord. I thank you for the foolishness of preaching, that somebody could come and hear a message and everything in their life changes and nothing else could do it up to that point. I seen it happen over and over again. God, I'm asking you, put that grace on this time right now. Put that grace. And Lord, lastly, I thank you for everything pumpkin spice returning into our life this fall. And everyone said, and all the basic people sat down and said, amen. <laughs> Do you feel fall in the air? Do you like it? Any other hairy Italian men just saying, yes, I can sweat a little bit less now because summer just melts you. Well, listen, we're in one more. And there's just some things that I want one more of. I don't know if I can get on the same page with my beautiful wife, but I'd like to have one more baby. She says she's done. But I'm like, have you read the Bible, babe? No, I'm just kidding. Um, have you ever binge watched a Netflix series and then it hit the grand finale because you watched so many episodes in a row you didn't even know where you were with it anymore? Maybe this is for the single people because then Netflix actually asks you, are, are you still watching? And you're like, yes, bae, I am. Because the only conversation you have in your life is with Netflix. And then you get to that last episode and it was so good and you wish there was one more. Am I the only one? I'm a Lost fan. I don't know if you've ever seen that show Lost. Some of you guys were fetuses when that show was out. <laughs> Literally. Um, you know, one more conversation with a loved one that passed away. You know, one more chance after a breakup because you were an idiot. You know, maybe you're here and you were like, I'm single watching Netflix now because I did just break up. I'm here to tell you it was probably your fault. <laughs> Preach truth here, man. For all the note takers, just write this down first. It's my fault. <laughs> one more paycheck. Anyone would like one more paycheck to survive? Um, I don't know if you are an Oreo fan. Julie and I love Oreos. One more Oreo. You know, they sprinkle crack on them in the factories. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, we, I, have, you take a brick of Oreos and you're like, okay, and, and actually what you tell yourself is this is sufficient. This brick is, is already shameful. So when I get done with this brick of Oreos, then I won't have any more. Then what actually happens is you get done with that stack and you go, you know what time it is. <laughs> you know what time it is. One more. <laughs> Am I the only one? We have actually cleared out like rows of Oreos before we even got home from Trader Joe's. And uh, I am going to preach to you. I promise I am going to preach. But uh, some of you have been in circles before where you were Frank the Tank and everyone was yelling, one more drink, one more drink, right? And that's why you're in church right now. Um, 
you know, one more rep in the gym. If you've ever worked out with somebody uh, who knows how to train well, you know, you, you think you did a rep and they're not, the number is not going up. They're, they're not counting for you and you're doing them and, and the number is not going up and they say one more, one more, one more win before the big championship. Can you all just say one more? You know, while you guys turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 1, I'm going to tell you a little story. You know, if you're if you got a physical Bible like this, it looks a little bit like this. We're in the Old Testament. There's no shame in the table of contents here in this church. If you downloaded our app, you can check out First Samuel on the app. You know, for a pastor, whenever you see rain in the forecast, that just means that like 70% of the people are going to be like, there ain't no way I can make it. It's, it's, it's just too difficult to travel in the rain. You know, you wake up and it's just like it could be deadly, you know. And so I was all morning like posting like crazy and doing whatever I can, compelling people to come to the house of God. And all of a sudden as the room filled up, I just realized we don't have that kind of church. Our church is radical. Our church ain't going to let no rain stop us. Am I right? We got some people who are like the hordes of hell couldn't stop us. There's orcs outside the door. We're fighting our way in, whatever it takes, right? A little bit of Lord of the Rings action. All the nerds are like, I love this place. I love it. I love it. Yeah, we, they started screaming. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's scary as a pastor. Like, are people actually going to show up because it's raining, which is so trivial. But that's how first world problems we are, you know. But we got people that are getting fully submerged in water, to, you know, going through that process of baptism so a little bit of rain ain't gonna hurt us but first Samuel chapter 1 I'm just gonna read it to you and uh, we're gonna read in the message version and this story is just incredible um, we are talking about one more prayer and so that's the title of this message one more prayer there was once a man who lived in this town with a crazy name who had two wives. And God wasn't necessarily into that, but oftentimes if you couldn't conceive a child, it was justifiable to get another wife. So we have the exposition of the story right now. The plot is beginning to thicken. The first was a woman named Hannah, and the second was Peninnah. Peninnah had children. Hannah did not. All right, we got a little bit of drama. Every year this man went from his hometown up to Shiloh to worship and offer a sacrifice to the God of angel armies. And when Elkanah, this is the, the husband's sacrifice, he passed helpings from the sacrificial meal around to his wife Peninnah and all her children, but he always gave an especially generous helping to Hannah because he loved her so much and because God had not given her children. So let's stop right here and this is the first point I want to make a lot of something you don't want is not enough to satiate you from the thing you do want and you got people going through life I could give you a house and a car and all the things but you'll say there's a deeper desire in there and Hannah had this deeper desire and you have Elkanah who's basically her husband giving her extra helpings of food and she's like man I don't want food not another Long Island bagel I don't want that stuff. It's not enough to satisfy this desire that I have for children. A lot of something that you don't want won't satisfy the desire of what you want most. She desired a child. And then let's keep reading. It says, but her rival wife, uh-oh, here we go. This is the exclusive right here. Her rival wife taunted her cruelly, rubbing it in and never letting her forget that God had not given her children. This went on year after year after year. And you know, it's crazy to think about. She has a rival wife. 
You know, there are going to be some people in your life who remind you of what you do not have. There are going to be some people in your life who are like, wait, you're still single? Wait, you still haven't moved out of your parents' house? You're still driving that beater, that Kia Sportage 2008 with the nice rims when you bought it? You're still in that place in your life? And you've got some rival wives in your life. Every time she went to the sanctuary of God, she could expect to be taunted. Hannah was reduced to tears and to no appetite. There are some times that you're going to go through some stuff in life where you literally can't even eat through it. You're just so messed up. You were just so, there's such a longing and a desire in your heart. This is where Hannah was. Her husband, Elkanah, said, oh, Hannah, why are you crying? Why aren't you eating? And why are you so upset? Am I not of more worth to you than 10 sons? And you know, let me just, can I talk to the married people for a second? There's going to be some times where you're not even enough for your spouse. Am I not enough? And if you're here and you're single, you're probably thinking that's going to solve all my problems to get a wife until you're sitting across the table from Pastor Mike and he's explaining to you how that ain't even enough. And sometimes you go through these situations where it's not enough. It's not enough. There's a void. There's an emptiness. There's, there's a feeling of loss in the midst of maybe what should have been a good life. I mean, think about it. It's like she didn't have kids, but there's kids around. Have you ever had anyone try to convince you on your dream like that? Well, you're close enough, right? It's kind of like that, right? You want to be an entrepreneur? Well, you work at Starbucks. They're successful, right? And, you get, and, and people try to justify and put a spin on it and do whatever they can to kind of convince you that you shouldn't be depressed, that you shouldn't feel this emptiness. But there's these desires that go so deep inside. And I love this. Can we skip down to verse 9? So Hannah ate. Then she pulled herself together, slipped away quietly, and entered the sanctuary. The priest Eli was on duty at the entrance to God's temple in the customary seat. Crushed in soul, Hannah prayed to God and cried and cried inconsolably. Then she made a vow. Let me look at this vow with you guys. She said this, Oh God of angel armies, if you'll take a good hard look at my pain. Now, this is a real talk kind of prayer. I don't know what kind of prayers that you guys pray. People all the time are like, well, you know, I don't know what to do when I pray. Well, this is a real talk prayer. You know, sometimes they don't come out pretty when you're really empty. Sometimes the prayers don't come out nice and cute and eloquent when you're empty. Am I the only one that's had to cry out before God and just tell him straight? This is a real prayer. Oh, God of the angel armies, if you'll take a good hard look at my pain, if you'll quit neglecting me and go into action for me by giving me a son, I'll give him completely unreservedly to you. I'll set him apart for a life of holy discipline. And this is where everything changes for Hannah. Her selfish desire, she turns it selfless. And she says, if you'll pay attention to me, God, I'm so broken, I'm so lost, I'll give you everything. And it so happened that as she continued in prayer before God, Eli was watching her closely. Hannah was praying in her heart silently. Her lips moved, but no sound was heard. Eli jumped to the conclusion that she was drunk. He approached her and said, you're drunk. How long do you plan to keep this up, going on the wine tours through Long Island, trying to make your problems go away? You are all out of, no, I'm just kidding. Is that, this is my Bible. So sober up, woman. 
That is actually in the Bible, that part. Hannah said, oh no, sir, please. I'm a wooden woman, hard used. I haven't been drinking. Not a drop from the Long Island vineyards. Not even the craft beer in Brooklyn with the hipsters. None of that. The only way I've been pouring out my heart is before God. Don't for a minute think that I'm a bad woman. It's because I'm so desperately unhappy and in such pain that I've stayed here for so long. Can somebody say one more prayer? It's because I'm so desperately unhappy. Can we get real right now? You came into this place, some of you desperately unhappy, and you're just going through the motions, and you put the smile on. When they had the Mickey hands, you were like, <laughs> hi, right? And you tried to pull it all together, and you saw your friends here today. Hey, how's it going, man? But you're walking around desperately unhappy. You know, V1 Church is a hospital for the sick, not a museum for a whole bunch of fake saints. And if you're sick today, welcome to the hospital because God's got something for you. You know, it's impossible to judge somebody's worship unless you've seen their warfare. You know that, right? You might have seen a whole bunch of people dancing and clapping their hands and waving their hands around and said, I've never seen anything this crazy before. But you know, you can't judge somebody's worship until you've seen their warfare. There are people in this place who survived something before they got here and they know who the only one who deserves worship is, the only one who deserves praise is, and they ain't wasting their time looking like a fool for the world. They're looking like a fool for Jesus now. Is there any fools for Christ in this place right now? Are there any fools who say, I know that my prayer has been answered and I'm willing to look crazy. Don't, don't even judge my worship because you don't know my warfare. Man, I'm not afraid to jump and shout and scream out the name of Jesus. You guys didn't meet Johnny Cash, Mike Signorelli. Didn't know if I was going to say a prayer or knock somebody out, but somebody got saved and now I'm dancing for him. And Hannah... She was going through something and she went through it alone. You are going to have to go through some things alone. Think about this. Eli is like her pastor. She walks in. You know what her pastor said? Are you drunk? Okay, that's a bad pastor. Let me just tell you, that is a bad pastor. Talk about no discernment. Talk about no ability to see through all of it. Are you drunk? Have you ever had somebody totally miss the mark? Are your sinuses acting up? No, I'm crying, okay? Let me help you. And then all of a sudden, her husband's like, why am I not enough for you, bae? And she's like, because I want a baby, not a bae. Right? Sometimes you'll be in a relationship and you're thinking, man, maybe my wife will just have the right words and then they totally bomb out. You know? Well, you know you feel like that because you haven't been working out. Hey, I'm depressed. I want to die. I don't work out because I'm trying to make that happen faster. Have you ever had some people misdiagnose your problem? Am I, am I the only one who's going to get honest here this morning? Are you all going to sit there, the frozen chosen, so religious, you can't shout me down right now? I said sometimes you're going to have to go through things alone. Your pastor's going to think you're drunk. Your husband's going to be like, why am I not enough? And make it all about them. Stop making it about you. And she shows up. And she says, you know what? I know who I got to talk to. The only one who can fix this problem that I've got. And, she, and then Eli says, go in peace. And may the God of Israel give you what you've asked him because I've missed the mark with my pastoral ability. Think well of me and pray for me, she said. Pray for me, saints. 
and may the God of Israel give you what you have asked of him. And then it says this, up before dawn they worshiped God and returned home. Elkanah slept with Hannah, his wife, earmuffs, kids, earmuffs. And God began making the necessary arrangements. Okay, just pay close attention. This I'm going to give you some deep theology right now, okay? Just pay attention. And God began making the necessary arrangements in response to what she had asked. Don't ever dismiss the role that the natural plays with the supernatural. They had slept together. Let me tell you what sleeping together means biblically. They had sex. Yes, they did. Welcome to the rated R movie in the movie theater. Now, they had had sex so many times without producing children that he actually got another wife inside of a society that didn't necessarily condone that, but was willing to put a stamp of approval for the sake of multiplying. And now they do the same thing that they had done so many times before, but one thing was different. Somebody say one more prayer. One more prayer. Even this week, as I, as I was going through this message, I kept thinking to myself, God, how do you tell this post-Christian culture about prayer? Because they just lump it in with the power of positive thinking. How, how do you tell this, this atheistic culture one more prayer? And they're like, oh, yeah, just throw a Hail Mary up and just hope that it doesn't land after it hits the ceiling. How do you tell them one more prayer? And I'm telling you, this entire week, we started seeing supernatural miracles take place in our church. Somebody's like, they went in to do the scope and cancer's gone. That kind of stuff does not happen on the regular, right? But it happened, and I think God was trying to just say one more prayer is something of substance. I'm not talking about one more pious, religious, light another candle and walk away prayer. I'm talking about a drunken prayer. When you pour your heart out before God and say, God, I'm pushing everything else aside and I'm getting in one more prayer come on one more yes now you're getting it there are three things that I learned from Hannah and I want you to write these down if you're taking notes and everyone knows that those who take notes in church get skipped up to the front of the line in heaven it's like a wristband program that they do so if you're taking notes the angels are taking talent I'm just kidding everyone's like I knew this church was weird there are three things that we learned from Hannah. Number one, delayed is not the same as denied. We could just do the altar call right now. You want me to just bring the musicians up right now? Delayed does not mean the same as denied. Just because some of your prayers haven't been answered doesn't mean that they ain't going to be answered. Yes, I said ain't. Vision moves at the speed of obedience. Vision moves at the speed of obedience. God didn't bless a selfish desire. He blessed a vow. The vow was, if you give me this son, if you give me this boy, I'll give him back to you. And then something changed. Check your desire. And sometimes the desires are actually good, but they've been pervert, perverted. And the solution is just to make a vow instead of making a selfish prayer. Vision moves at the speed of obedience. She said that last prayer, and all of a sudden she slept with Elkanah, and something happened that had never happened before. A prophet to the nation of Israel was born named Samuel. He was actually, not born, but actually conceived. Number two is this, and we're just going to go there. You can make a t-shirt out of this. Your haters can provoke you to rage, or they can provoke you to prayer. 
Yes, you can make that a shirt with a really crazy looking font. Your haters can provoke you to rage or they can provoke you into the prayer room. Another way of saying that is that your haters can provoke you into the boxing ring or into the prayer room. You get to determine. She had a rival wife who, isn't that messed up? Sometimes when you've got nothing, she's already the lowest of low. She knows she doesn't have children. The response of the rival wife was to rub it in her face. You know people are that low. You know that you've gotten done that way by people in your life too. It was when you were on your last leg that they kicked that one out from underneath you too. And that's what happened. But guess what? I love this about Hannah. We have her as a picture in scripture because of how she responded to that hater. And it's so incredible. Let me put it like this. She responded to God, not to Facebook. You can write that in your notes too. <laughs> well, she responded to God, not to Facebook. And if you're anything like me, you've got a lot of messages that you've typed all the way out. And then you just went ahead and deleted them because you're saved now. And the Holy Spirit said, not today, Satan. Am I the only one? I used to be an advanced comp teacher. I used to teach English. I can win arguments even when I'm wrong sometimes. And I have typed the whole thing out and said, I will destroy them with words. And God's like, no, you won't, Satan. Get thee behind me. Not today. You're a pastor now. And I, if I need to start ordaining some of you guys so you stop posting that crap on Facebook... We will print your ordination after service so you realize you have influence and you are perverting that influence and drawing people away from the real Jesus into your mean Jesus that looks like Rambo with machine guns. Number three, I just said that. This is the third thing that I learned from Hannah. You're like, wow, we are learning the Bible today. The place you find rest reveals your greatest confidence. The place that you find rest reveals your greatest confidence. She, she rested after releasing in prayer. You know, I wanna, as you're writing this down, I wanna change your definition. I wanna change the way we, we talk at this church. There's a lot of talk about waiting. Well, I'm just waiting. The world waits, but Christians pray and then we rest. Did somebody hear me this morning? The world waits. They're waiting. We, we, Christians don't wait. We pray and then we rest. That's how Hannah did it. She, she came in like drunken off of that desire to see something in her life change, but she took it to the altar. She prayed. She poured her heart out before the Lord, and then it says that she ate again, or she changed the countenance of her face, and then she rested. The world waits, but Christians pray and then we rest. Do you find more rest in a pill or in prayer? I'm just going to look up while I say all this stuff. If you're like me, maybe you find more rest in, in a bottle than you do in prayer. And you're going back to these places of comfort outside of the jurisdiction of God's will because he's got something better. And you know, that's the thing is that, is that everything that was offered Hannah was good. It just wasn't God. I mean, here's some extra food and some favorable treatment by your husband. Here's Eli, the priest, who's sort of trying to take care of you a little bit. She's kind of surrounded by some good things, but she, she said, that's not enough to satiate me. I know that there's something more, and she pressed in. You know, I, I want to tell you a quick story. Um, now, I want to start this story like this. I'm from the lower class, if you can't tell already. <laughs> And, and, and what the story I'm about to tell you would be a praise report from the lower class, but in the middle class is what we call first world problems. There is this place that um, 
is a magnet for hipsters and artists and uh, creatives who have failed in life, and it's called Trader Joe's. Uh, and if you are a mom, you know, and this is funny, because like if you're a mom and you've got kids, you know, it's, it could be a therapy session for you to go to Trader Joe's alone. That's like a thing, right? Um, you know, maybe some would call it a luxury. Babe, I'm gonna watch the kids while you grocery shop. He's like, is it Trader Joe's? Yeah, it's Trader Joe's, babe. We're going all out. And so Julie, you know, went to Trader Joe's. <laughs> this is a true story. And you know, side note, husbands, if this is your way of giving your, your wife time alone, you have failed, okay? I don't want anyone coming out of this like being like, I'm gonna treat my wife to a grocery shopping trip because Pastor Mike, it works for him. Okay, so Julie is going to the grocery store alone. I'm hanging out with the kids, a.k.a. babysitting. I'm just kidding. Julie's always like, why do you call it babysitting when, when it's your own kids? I'm like, because it's work, because they're real kids. Okay, so it's babysitting. It's unpaid babysitting. It's that bad. Have you met Everly? Everly's going to go back through the catalog of V1 sermons and been like, I need restoration in my heart because my dad used me every week. Julie went to Trader Joe's and you know so we live in Queens and the thing about Queens is not only is it really exciting for people who are from Indiana because there's just stuff everywhere and it's not and not cornfields but um, there's just these like cars everywhere and just roads with cars on them and more cars and more roads and not enough parking anywhere so Julie shows up to Trader Joe's and as she's like trying to get in the parking lot, she had this devastating first world problem experience of literally being like unable to go into the parking lot for like an hour and a half. That's bad. And, and main, meanwhile, while that's happening, and this is, this is the crazy part, you've got this guy who looks totally like white collar running across, because everything's so chaotic and so crazy, and there's cars honking and stuff, and no one getting out, and traffic's crazy. Here comes this white collar Bill Gates looking guy running with a cart, and he just slams it in the curb as hard as he can. He's cussing people out, and people's rage level's like going through the roof, right? And this was her experience that she's trying to communicate to me. You know, people are like cussing each other out and it was so crazy and she came back finally after like this three hour Trader Joe's New York City experience. And, and I told her, I said, babe, that'll preach. Because how many of you ever felt like your life should have been so normal and what happened? Like where we're from in Indiana, you do not have people rapidly honking their horn and ramming, like white collar, six figure earning guys ramming carts into curbs and cars honking. You just, this is how a grocery store experience happens. You drive into the parking lot, park, grocery shop, and then you go home. That's normal, right? Is there anyone here who has ever felt like your life is like the trip to a New York City Trader Joe's? And you're like, this should be normal. Normal families just eat cookies on Christmas Eve but we fight each other with knives <laughs> am I the only one like it should be so normal like this is a trip to Trader Joe's and you're getting cussed out and this is this was kind of my life right can we pay one bill a year and just start there and then work our way up out of excruciating poverty right for the love of God this is like group therapy 
Maybe your life is that weird. Life was like that for Hannah. Hannah was this woman that you should just get married and have kids, right? And go get a house in, in the North Shore. I don't know. I still don't know Long Island yet. People are like, it's so strategic that you're based in Farmingdale. I'm like, that's great. I had no idea where it was when we picked the spot. Thank you, Jesus. But life was not normal for Hannah, and it should have been normal, and it had a semblance of normal. So I want to define for you infertility, because this is the word that the Lord gave me. You know, maybe there's some people in this room who are like, I don't even identify with infertility. I don't identify with Hannah's problem. But let me tell you, this is really what it was. It's this. Infertility is the feeling that life is fair for others, but not for you. Infertility is the feeling that you give and you give and you give, but you remain empty-handed. Is there anyone here who's ever felt spiritually infertile? It's when your persistence doesn't produce. It's when input doesn't equal output. You know, your issue might be infertility, but it's actually incompleteness. It's this feeling of being incomplete. Is there anyone here who can say one more prayer? Come on, God wants to fill your hands today and reverse this infertility, this feeling that you've had that you just, you know, retrograde motion is actually when your tires are stuck in the mud and the, and the speedometer says 70 miles an hour, but the scenery is telling you that you're going nowhere. Is there anyone here who knows what it feels like to be infertile, spiritually infertile? Like you're flooring it and there's a lot of noise, but there's not a lot of movement, not a lot of motion. Today, somebody's getting free. Can you say one more prayer? Do you hear me today? Here's what I want to do. I'm going to ask you some questions that you might get asked in life, and I'm going to prepare you to give the answer. So I need crowd participation so that you're loud enough so that they can hear you on the podcast. And you're going to say one more prayer in response to each one of these things. Are you ready? Okay, how do you respond when people keep asking you, where's your baby? Okay, how do you respond when people keep asking you, well, where's your promotion? Come on, when people keep asking, well, where's your soulmate? Come on, do you hear where we're going with this? Okay, you're smart. You're smart. How is the impossible going to be made possible in your life? There you are. Come on, get this in your soul today. And you know what? Not every prayer is answered, but how many of you know that not every prayer is even prayed? Sometimes you got to open your mouth and say one more prayer. We're going to close like this. The waiting produces wonder. If God gave it to you when you wanted it, you might have threw it away like you did some of the other good things that he gave you. The waiting produces wonder. Hannah was waiting, and that waiting produced wonder. She gave the most precious thing that she had to back to the Lord. It became this vow before him. And, and you know, as we kind of shut this thing down today, I've got a crazy story for you. This story starts with uh, this couple that I'm doing premarital counseling with back home in Indiana. Their name's Sean and Sarah. And when you do the premarital counseling with us, I mean, it's pretty brutal. We go into all your business and everything. And part of the conversations that we get asked is, um, you know, basically, what, what do you envision for your future? Do you see children in your future? 
And oftentimes people will say, we want to adopt, we want to do this, we want to do that. Well, Sean and Sarah were like, yeah, we want to get married and almost immediately start to have kids. And that was the desire of their heart. Well, I married them, and then all of a sudden they begin to go on that journey. It just wasn't happening. This was physical infertility that they were struggling with. And, and you know, Sarah, she sings so beautifully, and she was on the live stream singing, and she was doing her thing at Road to Life Church where we were back home. And all of a sudden, I get a text message to my phone, and her, her dad texted me and said, and he used to call me son. He's a pastor. And he had moved to Florida and given me charge over his children, which was a big responsibility to me. So I said, yes, I'll take it. I'll pastor your kids. He said, son, I need you. I'm looking at the live stream right now. I see that something's wrong. Now, he didn't know that they were struggling with infertility. He said, I see that something's wrong with my daughter. I can see her face. I know her face. That's my daughter. I want you to do something. When worship is over, I need you to take my daughter. I need you to take her aside. And I need you to look her in her eyes and say, this is not Mike Signorelli right now. This is your father. And that I'm in Florida and I see your face and the Lord wants to tell you that the private prayer that you've been praying, God is getting ready to answer it. And, I, and now what I didn't know is that, that, that Sarah's heart had been broken and that she literally, is, she began to sing during worship that morning, just had been offering God just the brokenness of her heart, like that song that we sing, you know, let the brokenhearted sing louder. And she was singing as loud as she could and pouring out her heart before the Lord, but her dad was looking at that live stream saying that there's a private prayer that's getting ready to be answered. And so I spoke that word to Sarah, and she just began to cry and cry and cry and cry. How many of you know that the natural sort of worked with the supernatural and Sean did his part? Thank you, Sean. Good job. (laughs) But they had done something that they had done many times before, but there was one difference. One more prayer. And I had the privilege of just seeing that beautiful baby born and seeing that infertility. And God did it in a a natural way. You know, and, and I think some people would always want to dismiss God because they see the natural in it. Well, how many of you know he's going to use the natural because he made that too? Yeah. He's the one who spoke everything into existence that your eyes have ever seen anyways. So if he wants to use the natural with the supernatural, who's God? Is it you? No. He can do whatever he wants to do. And so I was watching the other day, and, and for real, I'm closing it down this time, I promise. This is my, my final close. I was sitting up in the bed watching this video, and this is the crazy part. You know, I'm looking at my phone, and I've got this five and a half inch, you know, iPhone screen in my hand, and I was jokingly thinking to myself, like, this is the future that they envisioned in the 80s and the 90s, right? Like, this is this grand future in 2017 where you've got, um, this is what we do in the future is we watch little screens all night. Like, this is what I was actually thinking. And, and as I was watching the screen, I was watching this uh, video. It was a viral video of a guy making popcorn. And I thought to myself, A, why am I doing this? This is that stupid. And then B, I thought, I believe there's a profound wisdom in this. And maybe it's for somebody in this room. Because I had, the first question I had was, who was the first guy ever to think to take a kernel? You know how hard a kernel is? And say, if I put this in oil and under fire long enough, it will change to something fluffy. Who was the first person that thought, I'm going to try to cook a kernel? Because that was a weird dude. You know what I'm trying to say? That was a weird dude. And I was thinking along those lines, like, he probably looks so stupid saying, if I just cook this thing long enough, something's going to happen. Am I right? But all of a sudden, as I was watching that video, I realized 
that this is very much like Hannah. Hannah's in the Bible because she was the first person ever to cook kernels. She had a situation that looked impossible. It looked like it was not going to change. But she said, if I can subject this thing to the oil of the anointing and the fire of the Holy Spirit long enough, I'll go from looking crazy to look like I'm cooking something. And if you're in this room right now and you're cooking kernels, I know this sounds crazy. God wants me to tell you, keep subjecting that thing to the flame. Keep subjecting that thing to prayer. One more prayer and then another prayer and then another prayer do whatever you've got to do until that thing changes would you stand on your feet with me this morning because I believe that somebody is getting ready to pray one more prayer that's going to make the difference in their life right now and you might look crazy to everyone looking around you might look like that first person cooking kernels but I'm telling you right now it's coming up due it's coming up due in your life. And not every kernel pops at the same time. How many of you know one pops at this time and then this one and then this one and this one? Have you got some unanswered prayers in your life and not every single one of them are going to be answered at the same time? But how many of you know if you can keep subjecting them to the flame? Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click Give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.